0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi guys, it's Jordan from the Balance Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. On my show, we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, motherhood, channeling, healing, and so much more. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and the healing journey I embarked on at that time set me on the path to radical awakening. Let's just say I had no choice but to change my energy and that opened me up to the most beautiful healing of my life. On my show, you can expect to feel like you're sitting in my living room chatting with old friends. Tune in every Wednesday to connect and hang on the Balanced Bond Soul on Fire. it's Mariana. I'm the host of the Life with Mariana podcast. And in this episode is all about friendships. I have friendship expert and clinical psychologist, Dr. Miriam Kermeyer, and we're talking all about friends. And friendship is so important, especially as we get older. It's really important to prioritize friendships, but not only prioritize them, but how to navigate them, when to know to let go of a friendship, how to deal with conflict in relationships and how to make new friends, which I know can be really challenging, Uh, especially as an adult. If you move to a new city, if you work from home, making adult friends is really hard. I had so many questions for her in this episode. I actually made it into two parts because I just kept going and going because there was so much I wanted to learn from her. And before we get into the episode, I just want to talk a little bit about my friendships and things that work for me and especially when it comes to me and my best friend. So my best friend Audrey and I have been best friends for like coming up on 18 years or something like that. It's been a really long time. We met uh, after our freshman year of college. So we've been friends for a really long time, gone through many seasons of life together, ups and downs that we both had personally or professionally. And we've really been there for each other for a long time. And as we've gotten older, our schedules changed. So in our 20s, we were roommates and then we went from roommates to not living together to, you know, living in different places and needing big time for each other. And then now the older we get, the little bit more difficult it is to make time for friendships. And there's a couple of things that we do that really help us prioritize making time for each other. So one thing we'll do is we'll send each other a calendar invite four times that we have available. And if the other person is available, we'll just hit accept. That way they're, Kind of eliminates the back and forth of "Are you available this day? Can you go here?" and then it's just on our calendar and it's set, and we treat it like a meeting. And we try to make sure there's not too much time that passes without doing something together. And it's not always that every time we need to like go to dinner, go out, or go do something like extravagant or exciting, which we also like doing that too. But sometimes it just comes out on my couch. And the other day she was here and we meditated. And then afterwards, she was like, let's just sit in silence. And we literally just sat on our couch and we both were just like scrolling on our phones. We weren't even talking. And I saw this like Instagram post and it was like couch friends are the best friends because it's like the people you can sit and do nothing with. And sometimes we just really enjoy doing nothing together. And it's really rare to find friends like that. Other times we're trying to plan something really big like a trip. And that's really challenging because when you have things going on personally or with work and travel and budgets, it makes it really difficult to plan something really big. And we kept trying to plan a trip together. We used to travel together a lot because as an influencer, Audrey used to travel with me. And as we've gotten older, it's just got a little bit harder. And it happened to work out that I was going to Paris for Couture Fashion Week and she was able to come along with me and we had the best time. And someone had asked her like, what was the most fun you guys had on the trip? And She was like, honestly, just like spending time uninterrupted together because we don't really get that anymore now in our late 30s. And she was like, and we went to the market one day and we got bread, butter and cheese and sat. At the market and ate it. And she was like, it was the most fun. And we had such a good time just like getting uninterrupted time together. And I know planning a trip is obviously like more challenging to do, but it was so nice to have that time. So that's kind of how we prioritize some of the time that we spend together, whether it's sending each other a calendar invite, making time for ourselves, doing nothing together, and just staying in touch and making sure that we do try to make those plans. And if we say we want to do things, that we actually work towards making them happen. And I'm so glad that we were able to make that big trip happen. And I'm so grateful for that time we spent together. I don't know what I would do without the friends in my life. They are there for me all the time. I'm there for them. It really is like a different dynamic and relationship. And Audrey is like more than a friend to me, more than a best friend. She's really like a sister, but I have lots of other friendships and relationships and acquaintances and people that I'm around. And there's different like levels of friendship is kind of how I feel. There's like your top tier friends where you can sit on the couch and do nothing with. And those are the priorities, friendships for me. Like if I don't have extra time, this group of people is like who I want to spend my time with. Tier two is like, Okay, maybe I like hanging out with them in groups of people. I like going to dinner, but I don't really need to spend like that much one-on-one time with them. And then there's acquaintances where it's fine to see them out and about. And maybe it's at an event or maybe it's for networking or maybe we're in the same industry. And it's kind of like levels of friendship like that to me. And It's fine that people fall in different levels of friendship, but just for me, I know that I like to prioritize that primary level where I wouldn't want to pick like a non-primary friend group to hang out with or my primary one because like those relationships are the most important to me. And if I'm limited on time, I want to be with people who like fill my cup, make me feel good, who I feel good around, who make me feel relaxed, who are there for me, who like love me genuinely and unconditionally. And so that's really where I like to spend my most amount of time. For me, as I've gotten older, I realize it's more important to have Less friends, but really good ones than have like a lot of random friends who are like just kind of like wishy washy and okay. So for me, it is definitely quality over quantity. There's so much that I learned in this episode that I think will be helpful for you. And this is a two part episode. So part two is coming out on Friday, February 9th. So tune in to see that part if you guys want to keep learning about this. Now let's get into the episode. So to me, I feel like this should be a no brainer, but why are friendships so important for us as adults?
1: Yeah. So here's what I always say. Our friendships aren't just a nicety. They really are a necessity. And so virtually there are no areas of our life that our friendships don't impact. So certainly, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist by training. I uh, have a clear bias here in terms of thinking about how we can not only cope with distress, but really improve our emotional well-being. And when we look at that link between our friendships and our mental health and our emotional well-being, we see that having friends good friend. doesn't just protect us from things like anxiety and depression. It actually improves overall mood, levels of happiness, levels of self-worth. And so that's one clear and compelling reason. Above and beyond that, when we look at physical health, this is the area that often shocks people. We see that having friends and feeling socially connected, again, prevents unwanted diseases, frankly, and health outcomes, things like cancer, cardiovascular difficulties, stroke. But again, it actually improves our longevity. So it not only boosts our health, we live longer when we have a close circle, a supportive circle of friends. And then I'll say the area that I'm really excited about is a lot of the research coming out lately shows above and beyond the health implications, having those good supportive friendships and connections is hugely important when it comes to boosting our professional growth and development and success. And so it's just so exciting and really impactful to see the research that's coming out of this alongside the way that our conversations are shifting. I think more and more we're open to realizing just how important our friendships are and to talking about them more openly.
0: I think so, too. And you mentioned a few things, whether it's our wellness and longevity. And that's something that I've really been focusing on. I think I have a lot of friends right now who are in their phase of maybe having their first or second child, their young their young parents, and they're trying to balance it all between work and doing that. And there just doesn't seem time. And it almost seems like it's okay. Like, I have decades to go. But then one day you wake up. Maybe you're an empty nester. The kids are gone. Maybe you didn't have kids and you're a little bit older and you're like, oh, no, I don't have friendships in my life. What do I do now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no. I,
0: I'm definitely hearing echoes of that in my therapy
1: practice and in the work that I do. This is, this is central for so many people. And I think the problem is that, again, we put off our friendships and our need for connection as a luxury, as something that we can get to when, right? When I have more time, when I'm less busy, when I've checked everything else off my to-do list, as opposed to recognizing that investing in our friendships actually helps us get everything else done and done with a little bit more ease, ideally. And also that our friendships, the friendships that we have right now at this point in time that are alive, are predictive of not only our health at this very moment, but our later well-being. And so it really is an investment in our current and future selves.
0: It really is. And I think it's so important. And I want to just ask you first, like, what makes a good friend? Like, how do you know that someone is actually your friend and not just an acquaintance?
1: Yeah. You know, there are a lot of ways to answer this question. and. One of the things that I've learned in my work on friendship over the years is that we differ in, in how we would answer the question: What makes a good friend? What we look for in a friend? And I think part of that is, of course, that we all have our own individual differences, but also that our friendships themselves vary, and what we're looking for in a friend can vary from moment to moment, depending on what's going on in our lives. And whether we're looking for close best friend, so to speak, or a casual acquaintance, or someone. Who's Fulfill a certain need or role that can impact how we describe what it is we're looking for. Like, well, the the overarching common themes uh, are that friendship is dyadic relationships. There's two people involved, right? They're embedded in larger social contexts. Mutual friends, we have friend groups, but when we're talking about friendship, we're really talking about two people, and that dyadic aspect is really important because at the heart of healthy fulfilling friendships is reciprocity. Meaning that both people consider the other person a friend and are actually invested in maintaining that connection and in growing that connection and in really nurturing that connection, and seeing it as not something that's static. It's not that we reach a certain level or tier of friendship and that we've done our duty as a friends so of we need to continually invest in that relationship. And so both people really need to be actively thinking about, do I care about this person? And how am I communicating that I care? I see that reciprocity is being really, really crucial. And then above and beyond that, this idea of authenticity to me is really at the heart of friendship, and and part of what separates friendship from our other relationships in that we can be ourselves, we can be our true selves, and we ideally are able to do that without a fear of judgment that we might experience in other relationships, or I without mean, the need to certain boundaries or contingencies around how we show up.
0: When I'm having a good hair day, I just feel so confident. I feel like, okay, my outfit looks good. My hair looks good. I feel good. And there's something about like having fresh, clean styled hair that just makes me feel really more confident and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. If you wanna feel the same way, get on your way to good hair days in just five minutes with Waze and new hair gloss. Not only does hair gloss give you an immediate shine straight from the shower, it also helps treat damage and enhances color vibrancy to get your hair looking and feeling healthier. Hair gloss is a really easy addition to your routine. All it takes is five minutes to get your shine on in the shower and it's really important for me to prevent heat damage because I'm styling my hair so much for different events and things all the time. Hair gloss actually helps prevent heat damage up to 450 degrees. After using it, my hair just feels shinier, healthier, and way more vibrant. So get your shine on in the shower with Way's new hair gloss. It's made with hyaluronic acid and rice water. It provides immediate shine, helps treat damage, and enhances color vibrancy. According to a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agree their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother. There's a couple other products from Way that I love, and Good Hair Days are on the way with their best sellers. So they've got their leave-in conditioner. It's a multitasking leave-in conditioner. It detangles, hydrates, and fights frizz. There's also their detox shampoo, which I definitely need if I've gone a little but too many days without washing my hair. I also love their fragrances and they're inspired by really fashionable cities like Sydney or Paris and their hair oil is perfect because it's nutrient packed and absorbs quickly and it really helps from color fading. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to dot com and use promo code Mariana 15 for 15% off any product. That's dot com with promo code Mariana 15 how can we be a good friend to others? I think people are always like, oh, this person didn't do this for me. Or they didn't do that. But like, ultimately, like we want to be a great friend to the friends that we're choosing to have.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of ways. It's
0: a good question. I,
1: to me, what comes up
0: time and time
1: again in my work on friendship, and you know, whenever I do any kind of polling on my Instagram community or, or online community where I'm asking these kinds of questions, the number one wish that people have is that their friends would initiate more. So initiate plans more often, check in more often. Again, thinking of you method or really kind of moving conversations forward. All of that initiating work is something that we really, really value in our connections. And what's interesting is that most people will express this is a need that they have in their friendships, and this is something that their friends could do to strengthen the friendship and strengthen the connection. But most people also report being the initiator. And so there's something going on where the efforts that we make to initiate in our friendships are far more salient. They're much more noticeable than the efforts that our friends are making. And so we really need to try and go above and beyond to keep showing up and keep initiating if we want that to have more saliency in our friendships.
0: And that all sounds really great. Like we want to initiate things. We want to do things, but we're busy. Life gets in the way. So how do we maintain important relationships to us when sometimes you have your partner or your job or kids or other people that you're taking care of, but you know that this is something important to you?
1: Because it's easy for me to sit here and say that friendships are so important. We need to make more time. But the reality is that it's hard to find the time, right? And I I feel this deeply as a mom to two little kids and, and a working mom. And and it is really hard to find the time for all of us to invest in connections, even when we know that they're important, even once we've accepted that we need to make friendships more of a priority in our lives. So there are a few different pieces to this that I really want people to keep in mind. The first is that time actually is important. So people will often ask me, Miriam, how often should I see or speak to my friends? And There isn't actually an easy answer to that question, because if you think about the different friendships that you have in your life, you probably have different friendship norms with each of those people. There are some friends that you connect with daily, some weekly, some monthly. And as long as that works for you and for the other person, that's great, right? But there should be some type of rhythm. There should be some type of regularity, no matter what that rhythm is. And so making the time to catch up, to send the I'm thinking of you message. This is actually really interesting. There was some research that came out not too long ago showing that we really underestimate how much those check-in messages are appreciated. And so when we're thinking about making the time for friendships, very often we're overestimating how much time we actually need to put in to maintain a connection or to have our friends feel like we care about them and that they're on our minds. But if you can send that, I'm thinking of you message, whether that's sharing a meme or just remembering an important date or just checking in and sending them a photo of something that reminded you of them, that really carries a lot of weight. And so send a check in message. That's one of the number one tips, right? And to really balance that idea of frequency, though, with quality time. And this is, I think, something that we really miss when it comes to friendships. And frankly, a point of differentiation between our friendships and romantic relationships. We talk so openly about how important quality time is in our romantic connections, right? We think about the importance of finding date night and having quality time with our partners, but we don't actually think about that in the context of our friendship. And so one of the things I really encourage people to do is to actually speak with your friend about what quality time looks like to each of you and how can you carve out more moments for that so that you can really make the time you spend together
0: I agree. So my best friend and I, we both are really busy in our lives, but we know it's important to us. So what we do now is we just send each other a calendar invite for a time that one of us might have open. And then if the other person accepts, it kind of alleviates a little bit of that back and forth of, are you available this day? Can you do this day? And if they're available, we just hit yes. And then we know it's on our calendar and maybe it moves around, but at least we know we have something scheduled and that we're looking forward to this date. And then We just know it's coming up and we don't let it go too long without having like some scheduled time and really putting it on the calendar and treating it like another meeting I would with somebody else that's important to me has helped so much rather than like trying to go back and forth and find some time. Absolutely.
1: I love that. And I think part of what's so great about what you just shared is that it builds in the value and the role of anticipation, right? That if we can create more ease in terms of the planning process, whether it's by sharing a calendar link or by having a standing date, right? With a friend, you know, the first Monday of every month you are getting together for that morning coffee or, you know, once a week you're co-working together, whatever it is. And if you can build in that ease in terms of planning, it's more likely that. But you can also then look forward to it. And that anticipation phase is so valuable right? frankly.
0: And what kind of challenges do you see in friendships that usually come up? that are things that we could either alleviate or work through or prevent.
1: Yeah. So this was actually part of the research that I did when I first started studying friendships all those years ago, where we were looking at what are the common challenges that come up in our friendships. And what I found was there are three main categories of challenges that we experience. The first are what we call transgression. So these are situations where either you or a friend has violated a core expectation of friendship. So when we think about things like big betrayals, right? A friend has betrayed our trusts, they've the secret, they're uh, consistently unreliable in a way that's just really causing friction in the friendship. Those are transgressions. We then can compare that to the second category, which are conflicts. So these are situations where one friend hasn't necessarily done anything overtly wrong or hurtful, but there's a mismatch in terms of perspective or needs. So you have different ideas about what quality time is, or one person will get together with a lot more frequency than the other person. Or, you know, if you're living with a friend or if you're traveling with a friend, you have different ideas about how you want to your time or how clean you keep your apartment or hotel room. Those are complex. And there are a few other ones that we can talk about too. And the last category, this is actually one of the, the places where I'm really devoting a lot of attention and energy lately in terms of my own work is the idea of support, that support situations, it turns out, are hugely important and consequential, that if we don't handle that appropriately, there will be consequences, either for our own well-being, for our friend's well-being, or for the friendship. And sometimes what we see is that those can be negative or negative situations as well, where friendship is good for
0: time. And with transgressions and conflicts, I think a lot of times in romantic relationships, we will work it out with our partner, we'll talk through it, we maybe fight, and then we kind of resolve it. But I feel like with friendships, it's a little different. Like, I think it's not the same kind of working through those problems as I see in romantic relationships. So when that happens with a friend, how can we work through it, especially if one person feels like they're just not really being heard or seen, and they're they're just not seeing eye to eye?
1: You're so right here. So this, again, Luke, if we think back to what we were just talking about before in terms of quality time and how important it is to be open and communicative, I see that as being very similar to this discussion here in terms of how we handle conflicts and how we communicate openly in the more difficult moments of a relationship, or in the difficult seasons of which there will be some in friendships, inevitably. And I think there needs to be a little bit of a cultural shift here as well, that being open and honest with our friends, as scary as that is, and in many cases that feels scarier than being open and honest with our partners, right? Then that, in many ways, is the key to not only navigating through these conflicts or challenging situations, but to actually feeling close. And I think part of what helps us get there is there tends to be this misconception that if there's conflict in a friendship, that, that means that the friendship is inherently unhappy right or that someone's doing something wrong or that i myself or the empress has been a bad friend and there really does need to be this shift where we stop seeing conflict itself as a symptom of an unhealthy friendship and and in a sense it's an opportunity for closeness and so the closest friendships are yes those that are characterized by moments of fun and support and trust but they're also friendships where People have actually gone through conflict and have navigated that together and come out of that stronger. That there's something about that experience that actually helps people to feel more trusting and closer uh, and frankly safer in that friendship and connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's so different with friendships because I think if you're like in a romantic relationship, you have a conflict, you want to work it out. But with friendships, it's kind of like, okay, well I'm mad at this friend. So I'm going to go hang out with this friend instead. Yeah. So you end up just like filling your time with other people instead of working that out. And then sometimes what I've noticed is you just stay mad so long that eventually the friendship kind of fades because yeah, neither okay. of you are resolving it, especially with like female relationships. I feel like, especially if you don't like conflict, it's two people who just don't want to talk it out or work it out. And then yeah. the friendship fades, which is really sad.
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, part of what you're you're getting at there is that one of the things that separates our friendships from our other relationships is for the most part, you know, for those in monogamous relationships, we have that one person. But in friendships, we can have many friends. And so it's easier in some ways to convince ourselves that if something's going wrong, well, the solution is just to turn to someone else and have our need for connection met in a different way. But unresolved conflicts have consequences. And consequences not only for that friendship, as you're saying, they might fade over time consequences for our well-being. There can be a lot of anxiety and uncertainty that comes with having those unresolved, unspoken about challenges.
0: And it's great if we are able to work through them, but sometimes there is an end of friendship, which it's really hard. And so if you've met a friend and there's kind of like red flags and you want to end a friendship, what is the best way to kind of handle that situation? Or especially if it's an old friend, maybe from childhood or like a family friend that you're just like, okay, this is not serving me in my life anymore. Like, I just want to distance myself from this person. It's a little bit different from a breakup where you break up with a romantic partner.
1: Yeah, it is. And it can be. And I have so much to say about that. It's not like, it so cut so me off at any point because I could talk about friendship breakups forever because I, I really do see that it's one of those areas that people have so many questions about this. And this is something that we all go through in some shape or form, and yet so few of us talk openly about it. And so one of the things that happens is when we're going through this, when we're questioning how do I end a friendship or how do I cope with the ending of a friendship, we not only feel that confusion and, again, anxiety to some extent, but we are feeling very alone in in navigating. And so I think that it is important to talk about this. You know, one of the, the first questions I like to ask is, have you actually addressed what's going on here, right? Have you actually communicated your need in this friendship to the other person? Do they know what's been missing for you? And if not, try out a little bit of that transparency that we're talking about and see whether there's anything here that's salvageable, because sometimes those open and transparent conversations can be the road to healthier friendships, or they can also help bring to light the parts of a friendship that you're willing to preserve, right? We tend to think about friendship breaks as being all or nothing. Either we're friends or we are completely out of each other's lives. And I have seen cases where people are able to move through this in a way where they kind of downgrade their friendship. So they're not completely ending their connection, but they're moving from very close friends to more casual acquaintances, or maybe they only hang out in a group setting and not one on one and can work for a great number of people. It doesn't always, though. Right. And so your question of, well, what do I do? Isn't it four one? And here's another really important thing that, that I'll share that I hear time and time again. The most common way that we end our friendships is through this slow, this gradual distancing of withdrawing our support, not initiating as often, not contacting the other person as often. That's the most common way that we end our friendships. But if you ask people how they wish their friendships were ended or terminated, most people actually want the transparent conversation as difficult as it might be. Most people want to have that clarity and closure, so to speak they friends, especially when you've been in each other's lives for a while. And the reasons why you are ending that connection might feel complicated or there might be ended limits.
0: And how can someone navigate if they've ended a friendship, but maybe you have the same friend group or you work together and you have to see them a lot of times? I know it can be really uncomfortable for people.
1: It can be. I think the first, the first piece is to validate your own feelings, actually, to not minimize them that it makes sense that you feel uncomfortable in a situation, that this this is uh, a complicated situation that's bound to bring with it all sorts of feeling. And so it's of dismissing whatever it is you feel in that moment to really normalize and validate it and realize that, again, you're not alone in going through this or feeling that. I do think that this is another one of those areas where sort of having the clear conversation and establishing clear expectations and norms can be helpful, right? Are we both comfortable seeing each other in a group? How are we going to interact when we see each other in a group? Are we staying connected on social media? Are we able to work together? That these aren't things that we necessarily should or even can decide on our own. It, it, it make far more sense to work on this together and to kind of have that be the final task, right? Or experience that you tackle together as friends. That being said, of course, there are situations where it, it makes. Much more sense to outright end your connection and you need to that much firmer boundaries.
0: As I'm sitting here, I am like, okay, what am I wearing from Skims right now? Because literally every single day I have something from Skims on, whether it's my underwear, my bra, my t shirts, my pajama pants, my pajamas that I sleep in, things that I wear in and out of the house. I have so many things from Skims and it's truly my favorite brands. I love that it's actually just like so comfortable. And I have to tell you guys about the Fits Everybody collection from Skims. I feel like it's really their best kept secret and it really doesn't feel like any other underwear that I've worn before. It is so soft, so stretchy. It really just like melts on your body and you kind of forget that you're wearing it. And I think everyone needs to really experience this level of comfort. I've been wearing Skims for so many years and the Fits Everybody collection is really life-changing and it's going to make you want to replace all of your underwear ASAP. Skims is creating the next generation of underwear for everybody. Right now I'm wearing the Skims Fits Everybody triangle bralette and the Fits Everybody Underwear and every single day, these are my absolute favorite ones. Skims is really the only underwear that I have now, and also I really like their dipped front thong. I wear the colors Onyx and Sienna, and then the triangle bralette I have also in Onyx as well. And then, if you have any like tank tops and you need something that has like a little bit of a better fit so the straps aren't falling out, you should definitely try out their Razorback bralette. The Fits Everybody collection of underwear is super lightweight, it molds to your body. The buttery soft fabric stretches to twice its size without ever losing shape, meaning you'll get a perfect fit every single time, and it's available in sizes XXS to X. So believe the hype. Skims has over 90,000 5-star reviews for a reason. Skims fits everybody and more best-selling essentials are available now at skims.com. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75 all at skims.com. So after you place your order, be sure to let them know we sent you select podcast in the survey and make sure you put life with Mariana and be sure to select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. How can we cope with the end of a friendship and be okay with it yeah. in time?
1: Yeah. So there there are a few strategies that I'd like to recommend here. The first is to really make space for the ambivalent feelings that might show up. Like you're saying, there can be sadness and grief, frankly, no matter what side you're on, whether you're the one who initiated this or not, those feelings can show up. And those feelings can coexist with the positive memories that you share and the gratitude that you feel for the connection that you once had together. And really allowing those conflicting feelings to coexist is is important. And frankly, the heart of resolving a lot of the pain that can be there. So I think that's helpful. Uh, Very often times people want to journal about that or even write a letter to the friend that they have no intention of ever sending. That can be a helpful strategy. But I really do think that the the best coping strategy for the loss of an important friendship is leaning into the value of connection. And so finding people who can accept you for who you are, for see you, see you for who you are, who are able to support you, that being intentional in about that, that is really helpful. And this is, again, one of the cultural shifts that I, I, I really believe that we need to make and are making to some extent. As a friend going through a breakup with a partner, we are very quick to rally behind them, right? To, to go over to their place and sit with them, to cry with them, to distract them. We just know that that's a moment where people are in pain and, and we ideally need to show up as friends. But when someone is going through a friendship breakup, we don't necessarily take that step of asking how they're doing or showing up in ways that are going to help someone to feel seen and supported. And I think the onus of coping with a friendship breakup shouldn't only fall on the person who's struggling, but really on the community around them as well.
0: And you mentioned that people like would prefer transparency. If you want to end a friendship with someone, how do you recommend doing this? Are there some steps? Should we do it in person? Like, what can you say?
1: Yeah, so again, that will depend, of course, right, on the reasons for the ending of the friendship and how you used to communicate and and the friendship history that you have. So there isn't necessarily one right way. It really is important to take into consideration the friendship that you had and the connection that you currently have with this person. You know, when it comes to loaded conversations, conversations that are important to us, conversations that we ourselves want to get our point across, but we also want to feel heard where we want a little bit of that clarity or closure, where there's the potential for misunderstanding. My general advice is to have those conversations face-to-face if you can, or if not, over the phone or, you know, uh, for a Zoom call or FaceTime, where you're able to get a little bit more of that nonverbal input, just because it can minimize opportunities for miscommunications and it can feel a little bit more a little bit more uncomfortable at times, but also a little bit more meaningful. And I think it can be a bit more of a constructive conversation. So that is one, you know, guideline that I often recommend. It'll really depend. And I think the more you can strike that balance of honoring whatever it was that you share, no matter how long we're in each other's lives, and what what role did you each play in each other's lives? And who were you for the other person and what are the times that you did share to really honor that and be upfront about that and express your gratitude for that and at the same time communicate potentially why you're no longer in a place where you're able to connect in the way that you used to, that can be helpful. It's uncomfortable and it's a step that a lot of people don't take, but it's something you also offer up, right? If you're if you notice that a friendship has kind of run its course, you notice that the distancing process is happening, you can let your friend know, you know, I'd love to chat about where our friendship's at, where our connection's at. And if you're open to that, I'd love to have that conversation together. And giving the other person a moment to think through their own experience, thought, and come to the conversation, you know, as 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 prepared as can be, or at least feel as though it's a choice. And giving somebody that choice can be really empowering as opposed to forcing a conversation on someone who's not ready to
0: that. And then let's say you've had this friendship breakup. Maybe there was something that you needed to work on or the other person. And that kind of in time, that issue has resolved, maybe whatever it was. How do you re-engage with an old friend that maybe you want to become friends with again? Yeah.
1: So it's, it is helpful to test the waters, right? So very often, if you can start off by sending a check-in message here or there or messaging someone on their birthday, if that's something that you have kind of continued to do or that might be, uh, you know, one next step, that that can be helpful and then see if they're receptive to that, if they respond, if they say thank you, if they're reciprocating on your birthday or when you have, a, you know, another experience where they might be checking in with you, gauge reciprocity. And then again, the same way I'm recommending that if you're having that breakup discussion that you give someone a little bit of warning, that too can help for rekindling the connection, right? I've been thinking about you would love to have an update on what's going on in your life and just catch up. I know it's been a while and and I'd love to just be here where you're at and what you've been going through. And. That can be helpful because then someone else can decide whether they are ready, whether that's something that they want, as opposed to again forcing that moment of connection. Because when connection or vulnerability, frankly, starts to feel forced, it really loses its power and it loses the potential that it has to actually bring us together.